Welcome to Mike and Ami Talk Tech. This is the final episode in a series on underwhelming tech. These are technologies that have been around for a while, and they all kind of blasted onto the scene full of promise to change the world. And well, in many ways, they haven't. Well, at least, at least not yet. But they do hold a lot of promise. And at some point, maybe, maybe in the future, with a new technology bump, a new business model, a regulatory update, or something else, they could really change the world. Now we've looked at 3D printing, we looked at quantum computing, and in this episode, we're going to look at nuclear power. So, Amit, why do you think nuclear power is an underwhelming technology? Mike, I think uh, as of today, nuclear, we have about 440 nuclear power generation stations around the world. They account for 10% of the total power that we generate in the world. Let's rewind back to when nuclear was actually invented. Everybody and their uncle was excited that we finally come across a power source that's relatively clean, that is, that is emission-free. Let's face it, it is emission-free. It is scalable. It is incredibly powerful. And it has the promise of free, clean energy for everybody on the planet, right? I mean, there was talk of every home having its own little nuclear reactor and you hop over to the corner store and buy a cup full of uranium and dump it in and then you're done for the year. And then next year you come back and I'm gonna buy another cup full of uranium. And that's how cars would run and that's how planes would fly. Everything evidently was gonna run on nuclear. What's happened, right? Nothing, nothing of that has come to pass even after like 60, 70 years of research into this. Let's go one step deeper. Let's think about the first thing nuclear was really invented for which was as a weapon to use in the military context, obviously had geopolitical impacts. So obviously everybody knows that we had a couple of really, really terrible nuclear explosions, a couple of nuclear bombs were dropped, horrible things happened. We had a whole nuclear race between the United States and the Soviet Union back then, which kind of sort of continues today with a bunch of nuclear states. But so what? Has it really affected anything? Eventually these weapons have kind of been very pretty show pieces that no one can really use. You just boast about having them. But the moment you use it, uh, you basically become a pariah. So they've not really done much, right? I'm being a little provocative here, but I mean, it's been a big dud for me. It's been, it's been kind of like the other technologies we spoke about, 3D printing. Sure, it's used in some cases, or blockchain, sure. But at a scale, this has left me fairly underwhelmed. It's interesting, right? Uh, we'll get into the pros and cons of, of nuclear power as an energy generating source. But, you know, this kind of crossover between you know, nuclear power generation and nuclear weapons, it's in a way been the albatross around the neck of nuclear power generation, right? This association with the weapons. And, and I think in the minds of many people, those two are instructively linked. You know, they think if there's going to be a nuclear power station anywhere near them, that thing could blow up like a nuclear bomb, which, you know, technically that could never happen. But I think there's in the minds of people, those things are linked. So, you know, nuclear weapons are bad. So nuclear power itself also has to be bad. So there's a sort of a public relations challenge with the nuclear power industry that has to be overcome at some point. And you're right, you know, 10%, by the way, 440 nuclear plants around the world, which is not very many, still producing 10% of the electricity around the world. There's a lot of electricity still being produced, right? I mean, the, the ability of these things to meet our energy needs 
is relatively huge, but we've plateaued, right? I mean, basically since, since the end of the 1980s, there's been very few new plants been built or, or capacity being added on stream. I mean, it really hasn't grown. There was a massive growth in the 1970s going into the 1980s and then almost nothing since then. In yeah. fact, we've gone a little bit in the reverse direction, right? Germany's kind of block nuclear. Our very own Switzerland has voted against any more nuclear power. So we kind of seem to be receding in that context a little bit. Yeah, and let's dig into that, you know, why that is the case. I, I remember when I was in high school, I was given a paper to do on, on nuclear power. And this is early, mid-80s, I mean, a long, long time ago. And I was, you know, fully expecting to have a very negative view because at that time, the Three Mile Island was 1979. That was the first major negative nuclear event and a power station, you know, movies, like China Syndrome had just they come out. Or, China Syndrome, yeah. You know, the Hulk, I think, became that way because of some kind of nuclear accident, you know, all this stuff, the popular culture. And so I sort of was very, very expecting it, it to be negative. And then when I dug into it, my conclusion at the end was, hey, there's a lot of positive potential of this technology as a power source, as you mentioned before, it could solve a lot of our of our problems, right? So, so I ended up actually being relatively positive about it as an energy generating source. And I think I, I still have that feeling to this day. You know, Mike, if you really dig into this, right? I mean, I, I agree with you on the, on the PR issue. If you look at solid facts and numbers, well, we've had two serious nuclear power plant actions, obviously Chernobyl and Fukushima, horrible as they were in the context of things. I personally think coal-generated power plants have killed way more people over the last, the same period of time, 70 or 80 years, than, than the two or three nuclear disasters have. Because the traditional ways of generating power kill in slow ways that are difficult to discern, that are not you know, as attractive from a PR perspective or from a press perspective as, for example, a nuclear disaster, as horrible as that is. So I, I do think it gets a bad press a little bit. And if we look at if we look at that safety and we look at the numbers, estimates are that nuclear power kills about one person every 14 years will die because of some kind of an accident, a, a nuclear power generation accident. Oil in its various forms, the refining and production and whatnot kills about 15 a year and coal kills more than 30 people a year. So this is a huge difference. In fact, there was an academic study that estimated that between 1971 and 2009, nuclear power prevented the deaths of about 2 million people, prevented the deaths. And that's because of the lower air pollution. In fact, there's no air pollution. And that's one of the things that the, the benefits of, of nuclear power is there's really no greenhouse gas emissions. The amount of emissions is similar to wind power generation. It really doesn't pollute directly. Doesn't create smoke, it creates steam. So when you see those big towers, what's coming out of that is steam, water vapor. So it's a relatively clean technology. The power density is very, very high, meaning a small amount of fuel, a very small amount of fuel can create a very, very large amount of electricity. In fact, if you look at a uranium pellet the size of your fingertip, it creates about the same energy of a ton of coal. So the power density is there. It's continuous. I mean, that's one of the big advantages that fossil fuel generation gives you continuous power generation that we don't have with many renewable sources like wind 
and solar, but nuclear power can give you continuous power generation. It, it's producing power continuously. It doesn't matter if it's sunny or if there's no wind. So there are quite a few benefits to that as an energy source. But of course, there are also some serious downsides. Yeah. And I, I think, I think I mean, a downside, if you will, and again, this goes to a little bit of misunderstanding of the technology itself, is the classic not-in-my-backyard syndrome, right? Whether it's putting up a nuclear power plant or figuring out what to where to dispose the waste. I think most of us, as well as our listeners, I think we would agree that people don't want to live next to a nuclear power plant, even knowing scientifically that the only thing coming out of it is water vapor, right? I mean, you're going to have a slightly humid home, which is the worst thing that can happen. You don't want to live next to a nuclear power plant. You definitely don't want to live next to a nuclear dump. Wherein what happens in that case is you take the spent fuel rods from a nuclear reactor and you typically bury them extremely deep under the earth in specialized containers. So you're not just tossing them in a cave or something like that. So the systems of disposal are actually pretty high tech, but it does have a misunderstanding problem. It does have a knock in my backyard problem uh, when it comes to actual installations and implementation. Yeah. And there's, you know, there are safety risks, right? They're non-zero. Having said that, in the sort of 60 years that we've been having uh, nuclear plants, there's, there's only been three major events. We had the Three Mile Island in, in 1979, which actually wasn't that serious, but it got a lot of bad press. Nobody died. Chernobyl was probably the biggest one uh, in 1986, but that was a nuclear power plant that was not very well constructed, not very well run. I mean, it didn't have the checks and balances that we have today, but certainly was a catastrophic event for that part of the world. And then uh, Fukushima in 2011, which was a, a major event, you know, extremely unlucky. You had the combination the of- combination of disasters, exactly. All happening at the same time, right? There's, you know, one of the biggest earthquakes that, you know, the world has, has seen, you know, combined with a tsunami, which knocked out the reserve power grids and so forth. But even with uh, Fukushima as, as expensive as it was, it, it, as it, was it, it didn't actually lead to many deaths, right? But there are nevertheless safety risks. And, and I think there's health risks too, although the science is not especially clear on this. There is some evidence to suggest that, you know, working at a nuclear power plant or living very, very close to a nuclear power plant can give you an increased risk of certain types of cancers primarily thyroid cancer because of the iodine that's used. But there's also data that suggests that the risk is is no higher than normal. So that's kind of clear. I, I think you're absolutely right on the radioactive waste disposal because this is, you know, tens of thousands of years <laughs> that these that these spent rods are will be releasing radioactive material. Uh, but the solutions, as you said, you know, they're fairly robust solutions. They've been well researched. And even though nobody likes the idea of these things be anywhere near them, they can be relatively safely and well contained. I, I think one of the biggest risks, we got to go back to this, the late nuclear weapons, yeah. right? Because, you know, as part of the process of nuclear power generation, uh, there is the production of plutonium-239, which at scale can be used in nuclear weapons. Yeah. Now, you know, civilian nuclear power generation reactors are not a very efficient way of producing plutonium-239. It always has to be done as a front. Yeah. So, so the, it looks like you're producing power, but you're actually producing weapons-grade plutonium. And this is, of course, the concern that we've been seeing in Iran. 
and North Korea. But that is there, right? But I think probably the biggest negative against nuclear power, beyond everything we've talked about so far, is something much more simple and prosaic. It's cost money. These plants are just extremely expensive. Incredibly expensive to maintain, and especially in light of the fact that other renewables, wind, solar, have exponentially reduced in cost over the exact same time frame, right? That we are looking at nuclear power. And then all of a sudden you're wondering why with all of these negatives, you would want to invest these incredible amounts of money when in fact you can do, you know, relatively small projects with these other types of renewables with relatively lesser capex and lower cost per generation per kilowatt. And you know, once the once the nuclear power plants have been built, okay, the running costs are high, but you still get a lot of electricity out of them. But building these plants, typically, you know, in the billions of dollars these days, the average is more than ten years. Even in China, and and China is is the one place in the world that is bringing nuclear power plants on stream faster than anywhere else. You know, even in China, where they do things very very quickly, it takes ten years. You know, this is not something that can be solved in the short term with the current technology. You know, it's really a long-term project. And and so what it needs in the short term need to be addressed in other ways. So you think fusion is the answer, Mike? You think we finally have cracked fusion or you still think that's a pipe dream? Because look, I've been hearing about fusion at least for 25 years, right? I mean, it's supposed to be the next thing, the awesome thing. Really, truly, this time is going to be free energy for everybody on the planet. It's been a dream so far. You, do, do you think we finally got this? And in general, I mean, what do you see as the future of nuclear? How do you see this? I don't see fusion in the short term. As you say, there's been so many false starts with fusion. It's a nuclear technology, but it's slightly different. It's where you fuse atoms together, which releases energy rather than breaking them apart, which is the fission process that we see in, in today's nuclear reactors. It seems still like a long way away. You know, it works for the sun, right? That's how the sun creates power. And that's pretty much unlimited. It would be awesome if we could harness that power here on Earth. I think it's more likely, Amit, that we're going to see the next evolution of fission technology. There's a lot of experiments now and research around, you know, smaller reactors, cheaper reactors, reactors using, you know, different types of technology to, to make it safer and cheaper. And so all kind of, you know, fast reactors and using different types of cool new technology. So I see it more likely in the short term that we're able to still use fission, but use it in a much more efficient and cheaper way. So last point, see if we can make a prediction. So 10 years from now, do you think more than 10% of the world power will be generated by nuclear, less than 10% by nuclear, or about still 10% by nuclear, which would still mean increase in new installations, right? What are your thoughts on this? You know, even if you look at the IAEA, which is the International Atomic Energy Association, even they don't think that nuclear power generation is going to increase as a percentage of the total gener generating capacity, which is shocking to me, even in their positive estimates. I think, well, I hope, I hope it's actually going to be like basically a huge distribution that, that I, th I think in the short term is going to go down because we're seeing countries like Germany and Switzerland, you know, slowing down or stopping nuclear power generation. These plants take a long time to, to build. So it might actually, as we bring other forms of energy generation on street, it might actually become lower. 
But I, I do hope as, as some of these new, cheaper, better nuclear technologies start to come on stream in the next sort of 15 years that we're going to see an uptick. So that it may be down in 10 years, but I'd love to think, I'd love to see that in 20 or 25 years, we're up, you know, at 20% or above because fundamentally nuclear power generation is better for the planet than the majority of the way that power is generated today. And I'm not sure, I mean, that we can reach our goals as far as net zero and carbon emissions without the benefit of clean energy generation that we get from nuclear power. Exactly. I mean, you're talking about clean, continuous, widely available, because let's face it, right? A lot of these uh, elements are fairly widely available. They're really not super rare on the planet. It's the technology and it's the safety around the technology that we've yet to scale and we've yet to crack shockingly, even after 80 years after we discover it. But I do am hopeful, right? I mean, it's not a prediction, but it's a hope that we do end up using more of this power, obviously with all the safety factors put in place, because I do think, especially for the quote-unquote global south, for the relatively poorer countries, which are in dire need of massive amounts of energy so that they can grow. We're talking India, we're talking Indonesia, we're talking Southeast Asia in general, Bangladesh, all of Africa. The amounts of benefits from this technology can be immense. I agree. I mean, I don't think there's any or very, very few, maybe one or two nuclear power generating plants in the whole of Africa. There's very, very few in South America. So in those parts of the world, I mean, this could be a big benefit, a big change. So let's hope that as disappointing as it has been uh, to this point, that it turns a corner and we see a lot more clean energy being generated through nuclear in the future. All right, let's leave it there. Thanks for listening to Mike and Amit Talk Tech. I'm uh, Mike Wade, and I'm here with my colleague, Amit Joshi. We're both professors at the IMD Business School in Lausanne, Switzerland. We'll be back after the summer break with a multi-part series on what else but generative AI, where we'll be looking at everything from the tech itself to the companies that are producing it, to productivity benefits, uh, the positives and negatives, employment impact, to the possibility of a singularity event. If you haven't already done so, remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And to learn more about IMD's programs for managers, go to imd.org. That's imd.org.